0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Landlord Association Podcast. I'm your host, George Gow. This is a podcast by the landlords and for the landlords in the greater Houston area. We'll discuss tips, strategies, techniques to help our listeners to be more educated and ultimately become more successful rental property owners and investors. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 28. Today we have Howard Wong from Alpha One Capital to share some of his experience in the multifamily real estate syndication world. As you will hear in our conversation, Howard has a very impressive background. He worked in private equity and consulting firms and performed over valuation for over $600 million of transactions. Then he started his own real estate investment career about eight years ago and grew from single family investments to his current multifamily portfolio of consists of over 529 units of apartments in Houston, Texas and Atlanta, Georgia, and over 75,000 square feet of Class A shopping center in Houston as well. Not only that, Howard received an engineering degree from the University of McGill in Montreal, Canada, and the MBA from Rice University. So he speaks French, English, and Chinese fluently, and he's also a level three candidate for the charter financial analyst. In our conversation, we talked about how he transitioned from single-family to multifamily investments and some of the challenges he had over the course of his career, and talked in depth about some of the recent syndication projects that he worked on. If you want to learn more about Howard or his project, you can reach him at a1capitalgroup.com or call him at 832-815-9167. So without any further ado, here's my conversation with Howard Wong. Uh, Hi Howard, Uh, welcome to the Landlord Association podcast. Hi George,
1: Uh, it's my pleasure uh, joining the podcast today.
0: Yeah. Uh, I know we met at a area networking event uh, back in, I think January, February. Wow, it's been a long time, uh, yep. and then we kept in touch. So it's, a finally, it's good to finally talk to you, uh, Yeah, catch up with I, you on this session.
1: It has been a quite a, quite a <laughs> sensational year uh, from the time we met to, till, till now. It feels like the wor- world was uh, uh, upside down, but yeah, so certainly there, there could be some opportunities in uh, real estate uh, in this special 2020.
0: Yep, yeah, exactly. So, um, for our listeners who don't know, doesn't know your background, why don't you give a quick uh, overview of uh, how did you get started in real estate, uh, what you do before real estate, and uh, uh, what your portfolio looks like now, and what you do now.
1: Sure, sure. So, um, I started in real estate, I think it was uh, seven, eight years ago with single family houses. Um, at the time it was just for my personal portfolios. I buy houses in the, uh, 100, 150 K range in Houston, where we're talking about Houston, Texas, Mm -hmm. um, where the rent was able to charge anywhere between 1200 to 1600 per, per month. So that was good cash flow, And, um, I bought a couple of, um, single family houses to, um, get started into this uh, um, cash flow bit business. And uh, it was uh, pretty rewarding. I think in investment, you have to be patient. Uh, you have to have some courage at the time of uh, buying because um, you might be able to uh, pay a little bit, maybe a few thousand dollars more to, to, to get, get the deal, but down the road, um, if it's good location, good demographic, you will be, um, paid off multiple multiple times. Um, So that's how I get started. And uh, in 2016, um, I started uh, this company called Alpha One Capital Group, where the focus was on commercial uh, real estate, more specifically in the apartment business. So um, we have transacted and managed uh, three apartment complexes with a total of uh, 592 units and uh, a shopping mall of more than 72,000 square feet. Uh, total valuation, uh, approximately $70 million. Um, yeah, so that's the portfolio that we have currently. And uh, on my personal career uh, background, I did a valuation consulting and due diligence for uh, private equity institutions. Um, they had portfolio transactions that are, uh, you know, North of uh, um, $1 billion, um, typically a portfolio buying multiple uh, properties at the same time. Um, Examples of institutions are like uh, Brockfield and Blackstone. So these are great career experience to um, learn how institutions do their transactions. And uh, um, that brings me more confidence in the acquisition process that I have right now, buying my own deals. Um, in terms of e- education, um, I'm a Bachelor of Engineering in civil. I um, did that in McGill, McGill, Canada, and I'm also an MBA from Rice. Um, I also worked on the CFA program, and I'm currently a level three candidate, uh, speaking three languages. English, French, and Mandarin. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit of background information about my uh, portfolio and uh, my personal um, experience.
0: Yeah, wow, that's a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry for oh, the long answer. <laughs> so, it's uh, speaking three, multiple languages and uh, getting all degrees. So for those of you who don't know, uh, CFA stands for our Charter Financial Analyst. And, uh, you know, it's a very difficult exam. I think the to pass all three levels, probably you know uh, less than half of the candidate who enter the into the curriculum. I probably number is smaller than that, but it's a very difficult exam. So uh, um, that that makes sense. So your uh, work experience definitely gave you a, a jump on to analyzing deals, uh, understand the kind of the financing and different aspect of the, the uh, multifamily and the real estate. Um, let 's talk about your first deal just really quickly how How did you get um, into the first deal? Was it difficult? Do you have mentors with you uh, doing uh, partners uh, doing that first deal? How difficult was that uh, challenging was that first deal?
1: Sure yeah, um, all the first deals were challenging right because um, although you have the knowledge on paper when you uh, execute, uh, there are things that you couldn 't for- foresee it at, at the first time. Um, And the first deal that we got in was a 220 units. So that that, the the bar wasn't, wasn't low either. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, So for, for the very first deal, we we partnered up with a local operator um, and we put in about the, you know, the fair share from from each and uh, um, yeah, it was a joint venture deal. Um, They, they have the know-how and uh, I also, can bring in um, some investors that we know uh, for for a while uh, that we have trust, almost like family friends. So uh, yeah, the first deal we probably start with the people that that you know, and uh, uh, yeah, I was a joint venture. So um, there was some learning and mentoring from the partners that I uh, work with, Um, but uh, you you have to have, uh, passionate about this business. I think the single family experience to help to streamline this uh, transition. Um, And uh, yeah, just keep learning and uh, make sure that you you have what it takes, I think, all these education back- background that, that I had, the engineering, the RICE MBA and the CFA all helps to uh, quickly understand um, the details required for an apartment acquisition. Um, at the end of the day, it's a big, big business. So there's a valuation mo- model um, as long as you feel confident about that and uh, you have solid data um, from from those third party software and uh, uh, your your team, then yeah, you have a good start.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. That's, that's a, that's a very sizable, big first deal, 220 units. Um, (laughs) What what was the most surprising part of that first deal? Was it the fundraising part or was it uh, after, after you closed, was there any surprise you found on the operating side uh, challenging or anything like that, that you kind of, uh, over had to overcome on the first one that you learned so much from.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, the experience that, that I learned was not only during the acquisition but also our, our operation. So I'll talk, talk about both. Um, uh, in the acquisition timing was uh, around the end of twenty sixteen. At the time, you know that was um, when oil oil price came came down <laughs> quite mm-hmm. quite 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 significantly. So. It wasn't very clear at the time about the inve- investment, and yet we were able to got a Class B deal, uh, north of six percent going in in place cap rate. So that, I mean, by today's standard, that's that's a no-brainer. No shit. <laughs> right. At, at the time, at at the time, it, well, it had some doubts on um, on whether. Uh, whether we should invest. Uh, so that, that, that's one on, on, on the price, and then also on the uh, loan, on the financing term, we were debating between uh, fixed and floating. Um, at the time, the floating was ex- quite low, almost as low as right, right, right now, uh, was benchmarked on the uh, LIBOR 30 days, and it was maybe just 20 basis points at the time. Um, hmm. either way below 50 basis point for the LIBOR And the spread was uh was was not significant either. So we were debating between floating and fixed. Um, I think as a as a as the first time deal I wanted to start was floating, um because the expectation was uh the interest rate will remain low for, for a while. Um yeah. However, a couple of years into the deals, I think in 2018, 2019, the rates just kept going up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, yeah, and that that changed quite a bit, uh, the assumption that's had. But still, um, even with the rates going up, we're able to de- deliver uh, north of 8, 8% cash on cash, conservatively speaking. Uh, that that's that's at least meeting and and, and somewhat exceeding the expectation we had um, at, the, at the beginning. So, eight percent cash on cash. Uh, yes, that uh, we're still yeah. able to okay. conservatively delivering. Um, in in some good years, we can do close to ten percent, but just conservatively, I would say eight percent cash on cash. Um, there's there's also another.
0: Oh, all right, just what was your strategy going into that? Is that one value add? Uh, you were able to do, put some CapEx to work, uh, whether into extern external, raise the rent. Was that the assumption or uh, this is more just a, a cap play? Uh,
1: more like a cap, cap play, uh, a buy and hold type of strategies. Uh, we, we do have some budget for yeah. CapEx, but it's nothing um, heavily lifting. Um, yeah, because uh, the in-place in rent were uh, already quite uh, attractive. Well, of course, that down the road, we might do some um, some light value add, uh, but overall, it's a, it's a buy and hold strategy.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, um, I don't want to spend too much time in your portfolio, but, um, and uh, how, so you obviously, you still have the property, that property right now in your portfolio. Um, just to, you know, kind of, uh, Bring people up to date. uh, How's it performing today? And uh, how how has COVID affected any of the uh, recent, um, you know, rents or or, or leases, lease ups?
1: Yeah. So we're um, at least a couple of months uh, into this uh, COVID situation. I think the, market consensus was uh, the worst uh, time was Q2, uh, Q2 2020, specifically April and uh, May um, because of the lockdown orders from the government and that does have some impact on the uh, across the board. Fortunately, uh, the collection was better than they expected. I think we were still able to collect um, at least north of uh, 93, 94, 95% of the uh, total rent. Um, You know, we've we've been working with our tenants uh, understandably about the situation and not everyone can pay uh, right away. Uh, the first day of the month so uh, for s- selected tenants they they might have some payment plans but overall you know it's it's pretty uh, collaborative environment and uh, um yeah it was uh, it performed better than expected we we were able to maintain occupancy um of 92% uh, percent as well
0: yeah that's great to hear i mean uh i think that's nothing to be uh feel bad about it. in this environment, I think a lot of the other sectors, whether you know the malls or uh, office space are definitely struggling a lot more. I think you know Houston's probably a closer to double digit office uh, uh, you know vacancies in some areas so um, you know I think you you guys are doing great in the multifamily space in general
1: yeah well, <laughs> we, we 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 try uh, I think the government stimulus uh, program helped as well, you know, the stimulus check and uh, unemployment um, benefits um, helped during that time. Although the new round is um, something that nobody is certain about, but uh, we're pretty uh, confident about uh, the recovery path in the economy. And uh, um, I think 2021 will be, um, yeah, at, at least, we can recover the majority part that we lost in terms of the gdp um, in 2021
0: yeah great no i think um you know obviously different comments have different forecasts but um you know hopefully uh, the government will do another stimulus uh, in the near future and uh get a, the economy back on a, a jump start um going forward and yes. I know obviously we need a vaccine and things like that too <laughs> but <laughs> um so Looking forward, I know you're working on a couple of deals right now. Um, How does this environment kind of affect your underwriting uh, going forward on your future deals? Um, You know, just from uh, both from a seller's perspective and and a buyer's perspective, you know, how do you kind of get a consensus on what the valuation, how does it affect the valuation in this uh, economy and this uh, COVID environment?
1: sure yeah that um the covid environment does bring some challenges on our evaluation especially um in the in the earlier months again april may uh, because people were not sure the uh path going forward but now we're at least 6 months in, in, into this um I think there are more and more clarities uh, on how we should uh, um, do the underwriting. Um, from the uh, lender side, I mean Fannie and Freddie, they do require a 9 to 12 months of uh, escrow reserve, meaning uh, you have to put down 9 to 12 months of debt services into their account as a bu- buffer for the cash flow. And uh, once meeting their performance criteria, I think that something around, um, it's based on depth services co- coverage rate ratio, but a, a fairly achievable level. Um, the, then they will release the uh, amount back to you uh, to to the, to the project. So there is definitely some cushion uh, built in by the lender. Uh, that's number one. And for, for us, um, we pretty much uh, underwrite the first year performa as if the rent m- maintains f- flat um, there is n- nothing aggressive assumption <laughs> on the rent growth um, yeah it 's mo- mostly from year two that we can potentially do some value add um, when the economy um, backs to the uh, track then then yeah then we can perhaps underwrite some rent growth. So for the first year, it's more optimizing uh, the expenses and uh, maintain the current level of rent.
0: Got it, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think the lenders have, do appreciate that too, being have, have a little conservative view on the rent uh, and the growth uh, just as, as in the near future um, in this environment. And um, I, mean, I, I imagine it's still pretty competitive out there in terms of, uh, um, you know, given a kind of a relative low interest environment, it's still pretty competitive in terms of the buyers pull out there, a lot of capital flowing in uh, on yeah. these the deals.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It is. So, my personal experience was uh, uh, April was the uh, quietest of time. Like, everyone was watching seller and buyer, everyone's watching what was happening. And then, um, Going into end of May, beginning of June, suddenly the the sentiment shifted to, to be all more optimistic. Um, perhaps it's because of the job reports. There are some um, evidences of job gains, um, and uh, yeah, so the sentiment shifted around that time, and uh, and, it's, and there are more and more deals back back to the market in in the, in the summer. Um, for sure, there's still um, a spread between the bid and ask um, of seller and buyer. And however, that's that's like any any time in the in the year. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. They always want too much.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So so there's always a negotiation going on. But but I feel. Um, uh, June, July was a time separator between the pre-COVID and post-COVID price. Uh, there is a tendency that after June, July, the price uh, slightly raised it up a bit. Um, so that's my personal observation. Of course, the market is the dynamic, uh, subject to change all the time, um, but that, that's where I define the pre-COVID and post-COVID uh, um, timeline although we're still in this COVID situation, but the market has changed, has made some anticipatory changes. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Good. Yeah, no, I think uh, hopefully things are getting better and uh, there's more activities uh, in the market, in the marketplace. And uh, so let's kind of, and you're, you're, I think you working on uh, this one deal that you mentioned um, how do you find this deal? Where is it located? Can tell us uh, how you came across it and uh, a little bit of basic information about this project currently work, working on.
1: Sure, sure. Um, well, the deal that I'm working on is called uh, Park at uh, Willowbrook. It's in the uh, Northwest of Houston. Um, in terms of the lo- lo- location, it's uh, uh, Bellway 8 and uh, 249 in that intersection area um so it was uh it was a deal um, listed by a local uh, brokerage a local boutique um, broker we, we, which I built a, a relationship uh, for for quite a while um in fact <laughs> one of their broker are my is it, it, my uh, rice um, um uh, or cosme, quote-unquote, me nice. c- c- on you know, the yeah. different years. <laughs> so
0: it was um, an off-market deal? Uh, or, it, they only sold it to a couple of people? Or it
1: it, was, was, it, on it was on the market. It was on the okay. market. Um, yeah, but but I do receive off-market deals from time to time as well. Yep. Um, so the this one was listed around April and May time, probably the worst time to put on the market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um but uh but yeah, yeah, well, well, it caught my attention because of the um profile. It's the class B, has value add potential. Uh I think a decent low location and uh uh, the the owner has already spent almost two million dollar on on the capex did the heavy lifting so um, so I just need to continue and carry on the the renovations um, so yeah on the high high level it meets our criteria um, yeah. and it's broker that I have relationship with and they they honestly the timing for the seller wasn't wasn't ideal but that gives me, the buyer, some, some leverage or some favorable right. uh, <laughs> okay. elements to talk are about. Are
0: they in distress or are they just trying to get out and, you know, transition to a different property, but they're not, it's not a distressed property. No,
1: it is not, it's uh, 92% uh, um, occupied. So mm. stabilized. Um, yeah. Stabilized by the definition, uh, the owner, uh, their main business was in hotel, um, but they, their hotel portfolio was not distressed either. So mm. they, they 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 had this uh, parker will will broke P P W um, for for almost five five years. So I mean, five years is a typical cycle for for owner to uh, look up for exit. So that coincides um, both both three reasons, you know, the, the the duration of their holding, as well as uh, um, their main portfolio is in hotels. So I I wonder they might want some extra liquidity cushion for the main portfolio.
0: Gotcha, and uh, just a little bit more on the property: is it Class A, Class B property, and uh, what what's the unit mix? Is it mostly? Um, uh, like bigger size, like three bedroom, two bathrooms or uh, in the when was it built and things like that?
1: Sure, sure. Um, it's a class B apartment built in 1984, uh, renovated in 2015, 229 units um, on the eight acres um, lot. Uh, average unit size is about 762. So we're talking about maybe uh, 60 or 55% one bedroom and the rest to be two bedrooms. Um, yeah, currently stabilized at uh, 92, 93% occupancy.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely, I mean, I, I think uh, you send me a YouTube video, video link and I'll, I'll include on the uh, the podcast notes for <laughs> everyone uh, to see it. But I mean, it looks very, uh, and I think the, definitely show, shows well on the exterior and the interior. Um, do you know what they spend the $2 million CapEx on? Was it mostly on the exterior or did they upgrade a lot of the interior units too in terms of like appliances or countertops, things like that?
1: Um, it was almost uh, 60% exterior and then 40% in- interior. Um, okay. So they they, they spend a lot on the common area Uh, for example the clubhouse uh, the pool uh, they even built a a a small gym inside of the clubhouse um so so yeah these are some of the big items they 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 spend they also renovated the interior units i believe uh, about 120 ish uh, units to to a various degree, some of them are partially upgraded, some are fully uh, upgraded. Um, they change the floor, uh, they replace some of the appliances. Um, yeah, so that that's that's how how they spent uh, throughout the years. But majority of uh, during the first two two years, because if you have to spend it uh, anyways, better spend early than later. <laughs> to bring up the rent and uh, optimize the co- uh, expenses.
0: Yeah, no. So it sounds like about half the units are already renovated or partially renovated, and there's still some meat left on the bone, where you can go in and, and uh, have the capex uh, and uh, phase in the next over the next couple of years, um, renovate units and uh, increase the rent uh, over the next two or three years. Is that the plan?
1: Yes, that 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 is right. Uh, so we're budgeting to renovate uh, anywhere between fifty and uh, uh, eighty units uh, to continue the value add plan. Um, I do want to bring up a special uh, element about this uh, property: is the unit mix. Um, it is eighty percent um, market rent and twenty percent twenty percent. Affordable units. Uh, what that means is uh, we're able to apply um, the financing and claim for a Fannie Freddie affordable track, which offers um, about 35 to 50 basis point discount um, in the interest rate. Well, mm-hmm. that is that is significant because if the loan amount is uh, say about ten million dollar, fifty basis point is uh, annual cash flow, extra cash flow about uh, fifty thousand know, dollar. That's almost yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's a, a lot yield enhancement yeah. that, that we can c- certainly appreciate on. Um, and the other advantage or benefit of this uh, unit mix is uh, the Lura, um, well, it's the land use restrictive agreement. Mm -hmm. Uh, This Lura on the affordable units will expire in 2031. So that means is um, when we hold for a couple of years um, and we wanted to exit, we can market the property as the Lura restriction will soon be lifted, allowing further upside in growth rent growth and a better, you know, just a better exit price um, for for the deal. So, right. some c- considerations and some special elements about this deal. Uh, we we only give up twenty percent of about the units, um, but yet we we will bring in you know, quite significant benefits uh, for for this uh, yeah uh, uh, mix.
0: That's 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 a good upside. I think people can definitely pencil in a higher higher pro forma, uh, around that time. Um, and so, if people who are not familiar with affordable uh, rents in uh, in the Houston area, what does that mean? Do they does the government uh, put a cap on the depending on what the unit is, or or is it just a, on the cap on the growth rate, an increase in the rent year over year, or do they do both for affordable units?
1: so every every year almost every year uh, government publishes uh ami average Medium uh, income if, if i remember correctly so this is the benchmark for uh for for the level of income need, needed to be qualified and there's a, a ratio attached to it anywhere between 50 60 to 80% of ami and the rent has to be associated to that percentage of AMI. Um, there's a formula to 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 it, but conceptually, that's that's how it works um, to set the rent um, for for these units. Okay. So, yeah. so, so 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 for us. Uh, again, We have some affordable units but the benefit uh, the the the, there are other ways to compensate it for the rent concessions that 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 we give and i consider the um benefits to to outweigh the the rent concessions that we we make
0: i think the only other thing i wanted i saw in the the video that i was curious about it's um you mentioned this park it's in willowbrook for people who are not familiar with the houston area um What's the Willowbrook area like? What's around it? Is there anything uh, special about the Willowbrook area?
1: Yeah, um, the major employment um, surrounding the property uh, include healthcare, manufacturing, and retail. You know, some of the examples are um, Amazon Fulfillment Center. In fact, there are two Amazon Fulfillment Center that are uh, within 10, 12 minutes driving the di- distance from the property. So that that is for sure um, job creation um, boost. <laughs> yeah, um, they're everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Uh, and there's also um, a, a Walmart uh, pretty much across the street. There's also a Home Depot uh, distribution or fulfillment center nearby. Uh, there's the Willowbrook, uh, Shopping mall and the um, Methodist Hospital along the two forty nine, um, yeah and uh, yeah there's uh, diversified uh, industry in, in that uh, in, in that area. So we we are quite confident about the northwest. I think it's a, a area that is growing, um, and uh, yeah, just in general we we, we like to employment, uh, demographics, and like uh, the overall appeal of the property, too.
0: Yeah, like all the, men- the companies you mentioned, like Amazon, and Walmart, and Home Depot, uh, they have definitely held up well um, in the current economy. And then uh, also, I think one of the benefits for Houston is, you know, uh, over the last 10, 20 years, we kind of definitely diversified ourselves. It's not just oil and gas, town, although it's, it is still a large percent of our economy, but, you know, we have by universities and uh, and I think medical, um, it's also a huge part of our um, economy as well. So, kind of you know, give us some good diversification in our in our economy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, during this time, uh, absolutely need to appreciate the um, efforts um, of these uh, um, healthcare workers during this uh, uh, during this special time. So. Um, Yeah, that definitely because of their um, tireless um, efforts and we we hopefully be able to get get to the other side of this
0: um, sooner than later. Okay. Um, Have you gotten any any indications from Fannie or Freddie in terms of uh, uh, the financing on this deal? You said you mentioned there's some advantages of being uh, affordable. Housing um, and what kind of leverage do they typically put on the deals nowadays? And have give you given me any kind of term sheet that, um, for this kind of deal?
1: Yes. Oh, so the financing is still are ongoing, um, mm-hmm. and yep. we, we we couldn't you know confirm everything until the very day of closing. Um, on the um, I think Um, in Houston, typically 65%, 70% LTV that I've seen the majority of cases. Uh, We were able to push um, a bit more than 70%. and re- reasons are the uh, underwritings, you know, if we can show, demonstrate the strong cash flow that we have because uh, the lender, they need to meet a minimum 1.30 times uh, debt services coverage ratio. What that means is uh, uh, use the NOI, the net operating income divided by the, um, the debt services and to come up with this uh, 1.3 times uh, coverage ratio. So there's not too much you can change on the depth services. Yeah. What you can try to push or improve is the NOI. So we worked line by line reviewing what we can optimize. And at the same time, we have to show proof that we can uh, achieve it. So luckily, um, t- or tentatively, we, we were able to get uh, um, north of 70% um, on the AOTV. So. Which is a uh, um, pretty good deal for 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 us, and in terms of the interest rate, um, yeah, it's uh, it's, <laughs> it's benchmark to 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 ten ten years uh, ten years treasury rate, and uh, currently I believe is around seventy basis points, and the spread we got um, uh, conventionally for 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 that apartment I think was. Uh, 250 basis point or even higher we were able to to get um, under 250 basis point so that put us at a uh, rate uh, even around 3% um, hopefully hopefully under so but that depends on where the 10 years treasury go um, 3% yep. is very competitive it's very if you, great yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah if you just Think about earlier in the year, we we're still talking about four, four and a quarter, four and a half percent. Mm-hmm. So just within, within a couple of months, we are able to save dramatically on the interest payment. And that, that does help for the, for the cash on cash return. Um, and we got the, uh, also a boost from the interest only. So we, we, we pushed the pushed three years of uh, I.O. And that does give us some time to, um, to do the value add in year two and three. Um, and uh, yeah, and while meeting the, the return of objective and expectation for our investors.
0: Yeah, you can't definitely can't do that on residential property. <laughs> uh, yeah, can you imagine going there asking for IO interest only on a, on a single <laughs> family? So uh, that's that's one of the benefits in commercial property. So yeah, it's, it, that's great terms. Seventy-five I mean, percent leverage is, uh, uh, it's, um, I think, worth seventy percent even for the Houston area. Still pretty good. Um, and then um, so that's that's really good for you on the lender. And what about on the operating side? Uh, who do you work with um, on the operating side? I know you have almost half a billion dollars of portfolio, uh, 600 plus units right now. You're not doing this by yourself. Uh, who, <laughs> who's your, who, who are you gonna use for Do you have a plan? You're gonna keep the existing management in place or are you gonna bring the teams that you have currently for other properties uh, on for this, for this uh, new acquisition?
1: Um, so we, we plan to bring in a third party management company that, uh, we, 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 trust and, uh, that we know very well, um, their leaders, they each have 30, 40 years plus of experience and their headquarters is just within 10 minutes of the property. So, <laughs> um, so they know that, um, market, the local market very, very well, and they, they've being through um, all the uh, good, uh, you know. They they, they they have the experience to do to do this, and uh, um, yeah, it's it's just a good partnership. And uh, I think for for them to join and bring the um, experience that they have is a pretty valuable valuable deal. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think uh, having a a good operating partner is, is a must. Yeah, you
1: know, they right? they they have currently managing over 15,000 units across Texas. So this is definitely nothing new to them. Um, so <laughs>
0: um, and they're operating so. one of your other un- properties?
1: Uh, on the other properties it was uh, my initial uh, joint venture uh, partners they have in- in-house uh, team to do that. Um, so for this one, it's more an independent deal. Uh, so I'm forming a, a different team this time.
0: Okay, and then uh, let's talk about investors. Um, you mentioned on the first deal, it's a lot of family and friends, uh, but as you do more deals, you have to go out and, um, and look for uh, you know, other, whether it's institutional investors or uh, credit investors, what, what have you done past in the deal other deals and what are you looking for in this deal in terms of uh investor class sure
1: sure so in the in the past uh we primarily rely on the uh private referrals so we never uh we never actively advertise any of our deals we were remain very low profile because <laughs> uh, we 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 know we had uh, uh enough um uh, private friends to support the deals that, that we got. However, going forward, we of course want to expand, reaching out to more um, accredited investors, um, building up the um, portfolio. So uh, yes, going forward, we are um, opening to new investors, although I do foresee at least um, half of uh, uh, this deal will be funded from the people that I already know, from the. Um, investor that I've already uh, worked with uh, a couple of
0: years. Yeah. And just, you know, for for my knowledge, what's a credit investor? What's the definition of credit investor?
1: Um... (laughs) Uh, or just conceptually, um, yeah. for, for sure, for, for, for absolute a- accuracy, uh, you might want to double check online. But from what I understood, it's either the net worth uh, at, at least a million dollars as a household uh, or, um, again, as a ho- household, um, Mary jointly making $300,000 of income a year uh, at least. Uh, if it's a single person, at least two hundred thousand dollar per year. So the, these are the two most um, popular um, criteria. It's either or, either or, either net worth or in income. Uh, and of course, if uh, if it's coming as an entity, then the entity needs to meet uh, certain criteria. And it's also opening for uh, trust uh, as well, um, although I'm not. Exactly. Uh, too sure about these details. And there are always uh, inf- more information online. Um, so I, I, I wanted. I do want to say uh, this investment it can accept uh, self-directed IRA um, mm-hmm. because um, the IRA the purpose was designed for re- retirement, and uh, uh, you know it has the long-term time horizon built in mind. We we expect to hold this portfolio anywhere between five and seven years, so um, that that is uh, that coincides uh, some part of the long term horizon needed for the self IRA. Um, IRA program and of course there are um, definitely tax benefits for the IRA, depending whether it's a Ross traditional or a rollover from 401k, there's a variety of tax benefits for that uh, self-directed IRA.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think uh, um, I think that self-directed IRA has become more common in the last uh, three or four years. Uh, I think people get, as people get more knowledgeable about it, it's a great way to invest. Um, you can, you, you don't have to stuck with uh, normal stocks and bonds, uh, you know, normal Roth or uh, IRA. So, um, uh, self-direct to give you a lot more opportunity to invest in like a real estate or, uh, other, uh, types of, um, you know, maybe a little less liquid investment than just stocks and bonds.
1: Right. Right. It's a good d- diversification. I, uh, I mean, for a personal f- finance, you do want to have, uh, a little bit diversified p- Portfolio, so have ex- exposure in stocks, exposure in real estate, so you can have both capital gain and good cash flow. Which um, you know, it's a it's a great way to have both, right?
0: Yep, <laughs> uh, yep, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, and I I see. You know, I think you mentioned um, you have done a uh, preferred uh, equity investors and uh, other equity. What's how do you distinguish and what's the difference between the two structures between the preferred and the non-preferred?
1: Okay, um, so for the preferred equity, we we did, did design this because we know um, investors have different preferences. Uh, some investors they want to maximize their uh, cash on cash yield. Um, some they want a more traditional balance between cash flow and uh, capital appreciation. So. The um, preferred equity is designed for those who won't maximize their cash flow. Uh, we're offering a 9% um, preferred re- return. And uh, the preferred equity amount the entire pool is up to 20%. So it's a limited uh, offering for, for, for that uh, uh, equity class. Um, so when, when there is cash flow generated from the property, um, 20% will go to the the preferred equity and eighty uh, percent will go to the traditional uh, common equity. Uh, that's how we split the cash flow. Uh, so nine percent for f- preferred return for for the preferred equity, and then seven uh, percent preferred return for uh, the common equity. But the common equity do get uh, an upside when we uh, exit. Um, could be anywhere between 5% plus so common equity um, I would pr- pr- project um, for a 12% um, total return on um, per year.
0: Okay so and uh, preferred equity uh, I think preferred return it just means that uh, these returns are um, Committed, regardless of what the 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 asset returns. It, um Let's say the cash on cash, maybe ten percent one year, but then eight percent the next year. Does the investor get a nine percent, no matter uh, whether the uh, maybe the returns a little bit less on the property one year than another year?
1: Yeah, so that that's a lot of investors have this, this question. So yeah. Uh, so sure overall the cash ca- cash flow is quite stable, but there are some years that you know we outperform some some years where we are a little bit moderate performance. When, when it is out, outperformed, um, we will keep some into the reserve. So in the down years, we can you know, withdraw that uh, from the reserve so that overall, on the average, we can uh, maintain this um, seven, nine percent uh, preferred return. And what I do differently from other group is um, any cash flow generated from the property, we pay to the investors first. Um, and then if uh, once meeting the preferred returns then the, I will be able to charge some minimum uh, asset management fee uh, on the deal so that is different from other um, groups because other groups they might charge the um, asset management fee regardless of the actual performance so I wanted to make sure that investor get the the most from the deal, um, and if I can outperform, I get a little bit of compensation. Um, that was um, some solid process to be um, in, in investor friendly.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's how you gain the trust of uh, people who invest in you put, put their trust in you, and also um, you know put the investor first. Uh, that's a great mentality. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think same thing for. For, for bondholders you know you know we work with Fannie and Freddie you know we always try to uh, work with them and make sure their requirements are satisfied because they're such a big part of the uh, the deal structure you know
1: right right um, yeah um, always to be um, investment friendly uh, the, the, this is just one of the example that um, I wanted to be um, set some the difference in u- uniqueness in the in the in the way that we do deal um and all and the the, the part that i mentioned with, which cash flow is is um goes to the preferation first was actually returning the ppm so it's it's set <laughs> uh, on the actual yeah. Doc- document
0: yeah okay mm-hmm. and what's the distribution frequency is that annually you distribute the dividends or um is it like a
1: quarterly or how, how do you do that? Or is it more on depending on the, on the, on the property? Oh, uh, we do quarterly, quarterly. That um, seems to be the standard. Um, Cause annually that will be too long. And then monthly that would just be uh, excessive work for for our group. Uh, so qu- quarterly will be a good balance. Um, and uh, it was all, will also be a good frequency to review the performance um, of the property so yeah quarterly
0: okay and you write a newsletter or uh, have a call with investors on a quarterly basis too
1: um so we typically have a quarterly re- reports on the okay. performance for example the occupancy um the you know the revenue expenses in the NOI. so yeah we we, we do a quarterly report and if investors have any specific questions we can you know, they discuss further.
0: Okay, great. Uh, so we talked about the potential rent upside side and the, you know, I think the properties in the class B uh, area. But what about on the operating side? Have you and, and the management team uh, you know, find out, figure out some ways you can reduce the OPEX over the next couple of years? Um, what are some of the opportunities that you've seen that, um, you know, for this property?
1: Uh, sure, so there are a couple of ways. Um, you know, there are the variable expenses and there are the fixed expenses. The fixed expenses are um, property tax, uh, insurance, um, utilities kind of, kind of on the both sides, uh, but, but the fixed expenses are at least 30%, north of 30% it probably more um, of the expense s- structure. Uh, so um, mm-hmm. of course, we'll, we'll you know property tax. We'll <laughs> uh, yeah, that's um, that's yeah. On on the va- variable expenses, there there seems to be optimized. For example, the so- software that you use, uh, and then if we do some uh, value added renovation, that would by itself taking care of the repair and maintenance and drive the um, expenses lower. Um, Examples are currently many units are using carpets and carpets are um, high maintenance item. We're Mm -hmm. looking to replace with vinyl floors uh, which are more durable. yeah, if we taking care of that during the renovations that would uh, also drive down our repair and maintenance uh, expenses. Um, yeah, so software and then doing uh, renovations and also just overall be more efficient. You know, we, we are a local team. Um, we can be nimble on many things that we do. Uh, the current owner, he is a he, he's not in Texas. So he relies on the boots on ground to do that. Uh, of course, our current teams are doing a good job, um, but hopefully we can
0: do a better job
1: <laughs> going into this and optimize further.
0: Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I think have a, just some, some mom and pop operators that have higher fixed costs, like you mentioned, uh, because they can leverage teams across different portfolios where uh, investors like you who have multiple portfolios can have teams that can you know have lower costs uh, just in terms of the, the back office and administrative costs. Uh, that's a great savings plan um, and same thing on the marketing and, and other uh, expenses too i think you, you can able to leverage your experience and your team to kind of lower those costs as well
1: right so um, that also some of the uh, expenses optimization or, or- Going to come from the uh, operation partners that we, we, we work with because they have as I mentioned over 15,000 units that they manage so on some contracts and services they can get a volume di- this discount which um, you know is for sure beneficial for, for the ownership as well.
0: Yeah. And are the tenants pay their own uh, water and gas utilities or are they um, they're, they're more common uh, Prop, uh, expenses that the uh, uh, the property pays for.
1: So we have a uh, ROPS system in, in place, okay. and uh, uh, yeah, they get um, they yeah. So the tenants will need to pay uh, some of the utilities. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Perfect. Um,
0: and I think we we talked about taxes before, and uh, I know. You know, counties and cities all over the United States are trying to uh, raise taxes in different ways, and uh, you know, Houston is no exception. Um, how do you how do you project uh, taxes in your in your pro forma uh, expenses? How do, th- how do you think about that?
1: <laughs> That's a real, real, really. Um, you know, of course, the is on Kamp county uh, every year is different. Um, so, in the recent years, there are some significant increase in property tax, which I think the industry is aware about. Um, so, we typically underwrite going in um, eighty-five percent of purchase price for year one uh, for the appraised value, and then of course multiplied by the rate. Um, and then after year one, uh, single-digit uh, growth. So you can potentially do a couple of scenarios, whether it's, you know, it's, if you set the 5% as the base case, you can do maybe 8% or 3%, just depending on the comfort zone. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not, <laughs> as I no, said, the company ha- has the ultimate control. Um, all we can do is just project the long-term um, average growth trend. Um, that's, yeah. that's what we
0: do. Yeah. No, definitely it's a more art and science and um, you know, uh, every property is, is different and um, it all kind of depends on how the, how the yeah. county and city. Yeah,
1: uh, of course, if, if we built in more and then still come up with a double di- 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 digit return, then
0: yeah, then that's even better. Okay, great. Um, Anything else you want to mention on the property before we'll kind of going to the general and mindset uh, portion of the podcast?
1: Uh,
0: yeah, let's move on to the, to the question
1: and to your agenda.
0: Okay. All right. I think that's a really good... And, you know, people, I'll, I'll link the, uh, like I said, the YouTube link below on the, in the show notes. Uh, anything else you want to share, too? Uh, and people can always reach out to you. Uh, we'll provide that your contact information uh, if, you're, if you want uh, that as well. So people can reach out to you questions on, on this uh, project. So it sounds very exciting though.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, I hope, I, I hope I can um, share that to excitement with the audience.
0: <laughs> Great. So, you know, we have, we talked to other, there's a lot of uh, syndicators now in real estate and over the last four or five years, people want to raise money and, um, um, you know, buying multifamilies or commercial or, or retail uh, properties. Um, but you've done really well. You have also half a billion dollar in your portfolio, and uh, I think invest. You know, you're saying fifty percent of investors on this deal probably come from existing uh, investor pool. So people obviously trust you and have performed well over the years. What What makes you successful? You think um, you know? Is it is the sourcing the deal, or uh, more um, you know things you learned along the way? What What makes you think? Uh, what makes you think you're successful on on the uh, on this on become a good syndicator?
1: Yeah, it's a highly highly competitive business. I mean, there are um, all kinds of um, private shops uh, working chasing for deals. So uh, it is it does take some extra effort to to progress and expand. Um, i I would say is uh, um, building up um, trust and show transparency to investors you know you do want to anticipate the questions that they they, they could have because i mean as as a as a syndicator i I put in typically at least ten percent of my own money into into every deal so um I definitely have a heavy skin in the game um and uh it's about to consistently deliver what you um what you said um if you if you can do that over a long period of time then yes then trust will slowly uh, build up it is a a time consuming process um, but that's how we build up the brand by consistency and uh, showing transparency
0: to our investors yeah that's great advice and um (laughs) If someone wants to become a past investor um, who never done a deal before, what do you suggest they do uh, to do learn more about whether multi or um, uh, real estate uh, or, or this, this kind of syndication deals? What do you, what do you suggest the first step that you do is uh, for, for any past investor?
1: Some um, um, number one is listening to a podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, so there are a lot of um, educational um, podcasts, video uh, available. I think um, for a new investor, he or she might potentially get some uh, common uh, conclusions from from these uh, um, from these materials, and uh, so that that's the first part, knowledge build, build up, uh, but it does need some. Uh, let's say, let's say for your first deal, invest something that you can afford, that that you can put aside for at least five years, let it grow, um, generate some supplemental income for, for your portfolio, and um, yeah, g- give it a try. That's personally that's how I started as a, a pure passive AOP, um, become aware about this business model and uh, feel more and more comfortable that this is a um, rewarding um, path for for the investment. So you have to start somewhere. <laughs> of course you can t- take your time to build up your knowledge, but I think you will learn much faster once you actually get involved with deal. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it will come very, very quickly.
0: Okay. And um- what about someone who want to be more active or want to be a sponsor or a syndicator in in the space um what do you suggest uh you know what, do you have any advice for them
1: um star was um yeah i can only speak about my personal experience as s- star was a circle of uh, people that that having who have mutual trusts and uh, do yeah. something maybe smaller um, uh, around the uh, 20, 30 units that, you know, at least you can get some conceptual understanding and it's at the same time, mimic the business model of a larger portfolio. Um, yeah, start somewhere. I mean, a lot of people were thinking they need to start from a high, high level, uh, that's not necessary. A lot of people start with uh, just a dozen of units and uh, um, snowballing, um, building up their portfolio over time. this is a a marathon. This is, we're not talking about overnight success or anything like that. It does need, require some patience in, investing, especially in real estate. But uh, uh with that patience should be pretty rewarding down the road.
0: Yeah, it's good. And it's always not gonna be a smooth ride, right? There's always gonna be bump in the road and uh um it's not as easy as always it seems, uh sounds like <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So that that's uh that's it I mean, everyone should f- figure out whether to be a passive or active uh, uh taking an active role um Funny. you know for for passive it's more like a, the good uh, salary income earners they don't have time for deal with uh, day-to-day operation um, but they won't have their wealth working for them so that will be good potential for, for a passive. And then for a- active, uh, you, you do need really some some, some real passion for, for this business and com- commitment because it's not gonna be easy. Uh, there are a lot of factors you need to pull together at the same time. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, before, having this deal, I probably had a couple of other deals that you were know, close to getting to it, but for, for some for some reason, um, didn't get it at the end. As I mentioned, it's a highly competitive business. So it does require some dedication and time to make things happen.
0: Yeah, no, and like you said, you gotta go through, you know, 10s and 20, if not hundreds of deals to find the one that's really uh, right for you, You know. Lot of effort, you want to go down the being more active and. Uh, one source team. So, uh, a lot of homework to be done. Absolutely, um, <laughs> and build a good team, right? I mean, you you were you know a lot of contractors and operating uh, partners and lenders, so I think that all takes time too to build a really solid network. Uh, yes.
1: Yes. So pre-pandemic, I've been always uh, active in uh, networking. That's you know, how I how I met you <laughs> earlier yeah, th- th- this yeah. year. So that that's another time-consuming part as well. But I, I enjoy it. I enjoy learning from peers, uh, meeting new friends. Um, yeah, just get to know how what what makes them s- successful. That's
0: great. Um, okay. And uh, we're going to jump into uh, <laughs> kind of uh, fun portion of our our questions. Um, obviously, you have a lot on your plate. You know, you you're really do busy managing your existing portfolios and looking at new deals. How do you, how do you manage your day? And do you have any kind of morning or exercise routines that you follow? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that that's the part everybody tries to keep keep up with. Um, so I I like play golf, uh, although it's not a, a Cardio <laughs> exercise, <laughs> yes. but, but I enjoy a lot, so um, you know f- from time to time during the weekend, I go down to the to the golf course and play uh, so thats that's that's the part that I enjoy, and that's also what I do for exercise. Um, some moderate exercise,
0: nothing too heavy though <laughs> yeah you can carry your own bags <laughs> yeah
1: yeah, yeah. Work 18
0: that far holes. Too. That, that's a lot of, that's a lot of walking. That, that's right that's right yeah and it's a good networking opportunity too depends on who you play with
1: yeah yeah so sometimes you can go as bit business partners uh sometimes you can't yeah. just
0: play casually
1: um, yeah it's a fun yeah it's a fun game it's uh it's a little bit like business too, and you know, sometimes right. you you know you you feel <laughs> you can get it, but oh, a little bit short or a little bit over um, yeah it's uh, it's quite uh addictive though. Golf. <laughs> golf game
0: <laughs> yeah can be expensive too it depends on where you play uh,
1: yeah if you go to the, yeah. the, the, the yes yes there's the
0: skies the <laughs> right right yeah that's good um and uh what do you have a favorite book whether it's a real estate book or a business book uh that you uh that you like you recommend to people
1: um sure in terms of um uh, I read a lot of business books. Um, for, for example, there was one. Uh, was the uh, the author was the Steve Schwartz one. Um He's he's the he's the founder of uh, Blackstone. He talked about his. Oh uh, yes. Uh, yep. Um, life experience, professional experience. It's almost like a, a fireside chat, you know, very, mm-hmm. very warm, very thoughtful, very engaging conversation and very easily readable. Um, so definitely a book that I would recommend for anyone interested in private equity to see how he, um, how he grow his business. I mean, even for a big guy like him, the, the earlier days were not easy, he, he, before, the Blackstone, he was at Lehman, and uh, yeah, and then yeah, the the er- earlier time of the business because there was no track record or re- reputation. It took a while to get uh, to get uh, the first clients. So yeah, very interesting read, and uh, definitely a pleasure thing to to look at uh, whenever you're available. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think uh, um, the Bridge, uh, what's it, Bridgestone? The hedge uh, the hedge fund? Guy, uh, or the, um,
1: Bridgewater.
0: Bridgewater, um, yeah. Ray Dalio, he has Ray a- Dalio, that's right. Yeah, he wrote a great book too. Um, but his more is not, probably more, I think that's a bigger, thicker read. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a, little, a little deeper uh, uh, on that one. But I, just, right. I heard a good thing about that one too. Yeah. And then uh, uh, I think Sam Zell, who, who used to run the Equity One, uh, real estate. He had a re- book came out recently too. And that, I found that was a pretty interesting. Yeah, Absolutely.
1: And there's a new one uh, just came up uh, in June, July time. Also is uh, uh, David uh, Rubenstein. He, he's the big guy in the Car- Car- Carlisle uh, group. And the title is called uh, How-, How to Lead. Um, I haven't uh, I have not dive into it but from the reviews um sounds like a pretty interesting one a pretty interesting one he in- in- interviewed um world famous leaders and uh, to find out what characteristics uh, a leader would need to 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 quote unquote change the world so mm-hmm. something that i look into Read um, when I have more time. <laughs> yeah,
0: no. Yeah, those are good recommendations. I haven't heard of that one before. i to become leader. I don't look it up. Brand new. Um, brand new. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite? Uh, do you have a favorite Houston restaurant?
1: Uh, you know, in, in Houston, we have a lot of interesting cuisine, uh, te- Tex Mexes. that definitely are something that a lot of people like. Um, uh, yeah, they just, um, uh, I think we're still in the middle of the Houston restaurant week. <laughs> so yeah, uh, another good uh, reason to, to viv, uh,
0: visit. Yeah. Uh, we uh, restaurants that we like. mm-hmm. you can do takeouts, but definitely support our restaurants.
1: Yeah. So there's some good deals for, um, for the brunch, um, brunch is always a nice time that you gather with friends and family. So. That's something I always enjoy to do. But yeah, tons of great choices uh, um, in that uh, Houston uh, restaurant with menu.
0: Yeah, okay. Uh, favorite Houston neighborhood? I don't know if that's where you live now or do you have one that's um, that you like the most? Uh,
1: well, H- Houston is a, is a very, very large city. Uh, so I mean, just from Galveston to, to uh, Woodlands takes a couple of hours <laughs> of driving. Yeah. So so it's hard to uh, come up with one unique that I really like. <laughs> um, you know, they, you, you you get you get some 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 uh, type thing that in, in within the loop loop, and the 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 more, more classic one was in the loop loop. And the the fancier ones, um, but yeah, I mean Houston overall is a very friendly neighborhood. I do enjoy being uh, in Houston. And it's very diversified okay. um, um, yeah, in terms of traffic.
0: Awesome. So yeah, definitely enjoy it here. Good stuff. Um, anything else you want to mention before we wrap up?
1: Um yeah it was a, um I I enjoy the conversation <laughs> you know of course we we can potentially do a part 2 right? Yeah absolutely <laughs> uh, right. Yeah uh, we can
0: definitely uh, catch so, up later we'll see how this uh how this thing went Yeah so, yeah it, the deal
1: is still ongoing we're projecting um we we're doing the uh the funding uh for this month and Potentially potentially early on, October. We're pr- projecting to close in mid uh, October ish. Um, but yeah, fun, fun, fun time <laughs> and challenging time yeah. doing the deal. It's uh, so, something that I like. And uh, hopefully, um, the methodology was helpful for some audience. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to answer more
0: questions that you have. Yeah, so how do, how do people find out more about their website or email address, you know, people to uh, link to? Yeah, yeah, um, I'll,
1: I'll share with you the the email um, and phone number that, that we have. So um, yeah, people can reach out, um, yeah, for, for if they're interested to, to discuss any
0: particular topics. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And uh, I wish you luck on your uh, existing portfolio and the current project you're working on. It sounds very exciting. So I uh, wish you the best of luck in the future. We'll thank definitely so catch much.
1: up. Thank you so much. It was a great pleasure speaking with you. And uh, um, yeah, best wishes to your podcast channel as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Howard. Take thank care. You.
1: Take care. Take care.